Welcome to Living With, a podcast by Health Union that explores what it's like to live with a chronic health condition. Health Union integrates the power of human connection and technology, uniting people in the shared experiences of life with chronic health conditions. I'm Emily Downward. Since he was a child, John Bottrell has been living with asthma. He's now a respiratory therapist and a contributor to the Health Union communities asthma.net and copd.net. I spoke to him about his experience with asthma and how it has shaped his life and his career. So what led up to your diagnosis? Well, it's difficult for me to know without interviewing my mother, which I have because I'm a nerd. So uh, I asked my mom and she said I was diagnosed when I was two years old. I, for Before that, I was always had a stuffy nose and was sneezing. And uh, I always, well, back then I always had to, my mom said I was just a mouth breather and breathed really now, loud and I annoyed my older, older brother. So I was diagnosed with asthma probably when I was two years old. So I probably had it before then, but that's when I got my diagnosis. Wow. So I've had it my whole life. I kind of, I've never experienced anything other than a life with asthma. So it's not like I have like COPD and all of a sudden you're diagnosed with the disease and then you have to make lifestyle changes. It's just that I just had it all along. Yeah. So what is your daily life like now? Um, now I pretty much do everything I want. Well, I say that you live a normal life, but you do have your limitations. You have to take medicine every day. Um, my asthma is really pretty, as far as I'm concerned, controlled because I'm able to do most of the things that I enjoy. When I was a kid, it was very poorly controlled, so I really had a hard time, probably till I was 30, and I came out with Advair. I was going to ask, is that because of the medications that were available or not available, or is it um, because of back, other? Well, back in the 50s, there was like a steroid. I mean, I kind of make some of the stuff, but back in the 50s, there was a steroid scary, and that's a fact. And I think that they just gave every asthmatic a lot of steroids, and they didn't really take keep track of like the dosing and stuff, and then there was a lot of side effects. And I think by the 80s, they had all the same medicines I have today, all the same basic formulations, but they dosed them out in low doses. So you basically had to take everything four times a day. Mm. Like I had to take my Vanceril, which was my inhaled corticosteroid. I had to take it four times a day. And when I was really low, they were probably even afraid to give me it then. So I didn't have anything really to control me. So back then, I, I, they diagnosed me in, with high-risk asthma, um, but at the time, which was all they knew, you know. But today, they would probably, if I were, had that, I would probably be diagnosed with poorly controlled asthma. And when you take medicine four times a day, my parents tried to help me, but they're not with me all the time. And you can't, it's how hard to take it four times a day. So that was one of the breakthroughs in uh, asthma. You know, in the late 90s, they started realizing that they could give, they could change the formulation a little bit of the medicine and give it twice a day. So today, that's one of the things I really love is that I just get up in the morning, I brush my teeth. I take my medicine, the same thing at night, and uh, it makes it so much easier and so much easier to stay compliant. Yeah. How did your personal experience with asthma influence your career? I get asked that quite a bit. Um, I, when I was a kid, I was exposed to a lot of respiratory therapists. I was in the hospital a lot. Start. I mean, if I was in the hospital a lot before this, I'm sure I was, but my memories are more vague then. But Starting when I was 11 years old, I actually have my some of my medical records. So I know I was in a hospital a lot, and there was a couple respiratory therapists that I got to meet on a regular basis. And one of them would sit and play cards with me, and I kind of got to see what they do. Um, and then when I was in my 
age where I was trying to decide what to do. I initially didn't go into respiratory therapy because it was, uh, I, I didn't do good in chemistry in high school. So I went into journalism, which kind of worked out nice because I, I later used my writing. But, um, later on, I decided to go into resp respiratory therapy, mainly because of my experience with it. And I thought because I had, there's no uh, medical in my family. There's no nurses, doctors or anything. I was like the only person. In fact, I was the first person ever to go to college. And my dad told me that it was no option. I had to go to college because my asthma, I can't just get a job. Like he owned a car dealership, you know, the car fumes there. So I can't work there. Can't work in a factory. I can't do construction work. You know, there's a lot of things, you know, he was encouraging me to get a job. I can work in a hospital, clean air, air conditioning. And plus everybody else would, 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 uh, you know, be around you. They're all medical related. And, uh, so, so it's kind of aimed me towards respiratory therapy. That turned out to be a pretty good thing. And the other aspect of it, I, when I was a kid, I, well, everybody else was outside having fun. And a lot of times I would push myself and actually do that and I'd regret it later. But um, a lot of times I would just realize that I just needed, and sometimes my parents would really encourage me just to stay in. You don't need to go out stacking wood and stuff because you're exposed to a lot of triggers, especially when the air is cold in the fall when you do that kind of work. So I would just stay in my room and I'd, wanted to be industrious. So I, uh, my dad encouraged that and us, my parents did. So I would, uh, do a lot of reading and, and I, kept, I started a journal because I, I just wanted to write and write what I want. So I kind of segued into blogging eventually. So I guess my asthma kind of led me to being a respiratory therapist and a writer. And we're so lucky that you are and you're part of our communities. Well, thank you. So you mentioned several triggers that, um, even your, your dad had said, you know, don't go into this, this arena or this arena because of the triggers. Is it hard to avoid all the triggers in daily life? Yes, which is why controller medicines come in handy. Um, I have severe allergies to mold. So I try to avoid basements unless they're really, you know, finished up. Um, cold air is kind of a trigger, but cold air really bothered me when I was a kid and my asthma was poorly controlled, but now that it's controlled, it's not so much. I mean, if I go out there and start running around, yeah, I'll get chest tightness and, but that's one of those triggers you can just get away from, um, the, the mold around the wood and stuff. That's why I, I have a fireplace, but I don't use it. I don't have wood in my house. I just, just don't want to, um, just don't want to experience those kind of asthma attacks before. Because I, I used to, you know, being a kid, I just wanted to be out, be normal, be with my brothers and my dad, go out in the woods and go to the cabin and stuff. And it gets to that point where you're like, you have those asthma attacks. Dad has to drive you home when you're a kid, you know, or I have to drive myself home. And it just gets to the point you just feel so miserable. You're like, when I was a kid, I would push myself really far. My parents would encourage me, yeah, you probably sh you should, sh you know, but I want to just be like everybody else. But yeah. Now you probably should just kind of lay low today, but now as an adult, I, I've gotten a lot better at it. Although it's still hard. Sometimes I, I do go places where I know I'm exposed to things and I just take the gamble because I just want to do normal things like going to the, the hunting camp kind of is one of those. Like I know I'm going to be exposed to triggers out there. I just hope I'm controlled enough or I don't have a cold or something. Yeah. Oh so yeah. Sometimes it's really hard to avoid all the triggers. Although I'm very fortunate that I just have, I, I shouldn't say just, but I have allergic asthma and it, I think I got severe allergies. That's why it gets so bad. I'm just exposed to like mold and stuff and it just really clamps down my lungs. 
So with the controller medicines today, even if I'm exposed to something, it's not quite as bad as it would have been. You've written for asthma.net about the challenges of moving. Can you tell me about what people with asthma have to consider when they're moving and finding a new place to live? My, my house that I just bought is completely allergy-free. I have wood floors, I have a fireplace, but I don't use it. It has air conditioning, has humidity control, has you know grass, it's a small yard that I could either just do myself real quick or just have somebody else do. So when I'm walking to a house, somebody else's house, I can't control. They have pets, oh, come on over it, you know, I'll put the pets in the back room. Um, no, you don't get it. You know, if somebody's allergic to pets, they're allergic to pets. Doesn't matter if they're in the house or, or, or we're in the house or what, you know. So it's, people don't understand that. And I'm fine with that. And I, but my family has seen me have my bad enough attacks. My, my sister recently is like, hey, can I bring my dog over? I'm like, no. And she didn't even give me a hard time about it, you know. I, I read about other people. They all their families give them a hard time. But it, it helps when you have support. It sounds like your family is very understanding. Oh, yeah, they are. So you wrote a great article about how difficult it can be for people experiencing an asthma flare to seek additional help when needed. What are the signs that people with asthma or their loved ones should be aware of to know when to seek emergency medical help? Yeah, that's a tough one. When to seek help is when you get to that point. I think the key is when you're when somebody comes up to me, when gets to that point, like, Say I have a coworker who comes up to me and says, "Oh, hey, you know, um, can you help me out? You can I use your inhaler or something?" I'm like, you know, if you're getting to that point where you're starting to, you know, ask other people what you should do, or you're even thinking about, oh my gosh, maybe I should go to the ER, maybe I should see a doctor, then you should just go because no doctor is going to say, "Gee, you never should have come to see me. I've never had that happen to me." You know, it's usually me thinking, "Oh my God, they're going to think I'm stupid if I come in, or I should have done this or that," and. But my, I always had a tendency to overtreat myself. If you're starting to get to that point where you're using your rescue medicine more than usual, you should probably call your doctor. If you're getting to that point where you have like, if you're getting, you know, if colds are your a big trigger for you, when you start to feel sniffly and sneezing, you should probably go see your doctor. Sometimes when I'm in my, you know, not in my current house, but in my past house, you go in these old musty basements and you work on a project and my chest starts to get tight. In the past, I used to just keep on going, and I would just go until I was in a full-fledged asthma attack. But if you get to that point where you get away from the, that trigger and, and it's still there, you should probably call your doctor, you know, because there's things you can do to adjust. Or, you know, in, in certain situations, you have your own asthma action plan, and you can just say, okay, here's what I should do right now. And then if that doesn't work, then you go to the doctor. So there's a couple different aspects of it. But everybody's different, but... But if you, basically, bottom line, if you're starting to stress about it, then you should probably seek help. And it's even now with uh, 49 years of experience with asthma and with uh, being a respiratory therapist for 23 years and taking care of all these sick people, I still have trouble deciding. It's just nice having somebody else say, hey, you need, you should probably, oh, that's another one. If somebody else says you should probably see a doctor, then you should probably go see a doctor. Sometimes it, it takes one of somebody else outside of us helping and us that's to see true of any of any chronic condition i think not just asthma after I, reading some of the other sites on in here that's what i think yeah absolutely do you ever get frustrated with your body or your lungs for not doing what you wish it would do no that's funny you say that i've never had a woe was me like i said i grew up with this condition i've never known life without it it's just what i am it's led me to some 
never not unexpected course in life. You know, it's led me to being a writer and, and doing this. I never anticipated this, never anticipated the internet coming along. I, I, I'm not a person who have regrets. I, this is my life that God gave me and this is my gift. You know, he gave me the gift of writing and to write about mine. So most people, a lot of people that have asthma don't do this. So it's just given me a neat opportunity. I have, I don't have any regrets. What do you wish people knew about asthma that they don't know? Well, for the most part that you can't see asthma, you look at a person, I guess I could bring you back to my childhood for that because I, I got picked down a lot as a kid and ah, this, maybe I was just a little nerdy in, in different ways, but I also had like stuffy nose and runny eyes and was always chest was tight. So I, you know, I'd play with the other kids and then I'd get a little anxiety because I'd be short of breath and tight. So I ended up hanging out by myself and the kids would pick on me. And then when I turned 19, I'm working at a restaurant. I think, I think I wrote an article about this, but I was working at a restaurant and one of the girls, yes, girls too, uh, was, who used to pick on me was now my coworker and friend. And we, we started talking about asthma and allergies. And she said, holy cow, I didn't realize you had it that bad. And if I, she said, if I'd have known that at that time, you know, I, I wouldn't have picked on you. So it's just like, I think that people need to be more aware, more open about it, asthma and uh, like doing stuff like this, getting the word out saying, you know, just because that person looks normal doesn't mean they don't have asthma. And if they say they can't go somewhere, they say, don't bring a dog over or, you know, if, if we're going to ride up to, to go for a two hour ride, you know, could you please not wear strong perfumes and stuff like that? People just have that better understanding. And I know people forget People, people don't have it. They just forget. That's no knock on them. That's just the way, you know, human nature is. So just don't think, don't get offended by my friendly reminder. Just don't do this, you know, or if you're going to come over, don't bring your dog. So for me, I've been fortunate. People have been pretty receptive to that. Why do you think it's important for people with asthma to have an online community? Well, that you're not alone. I mean, when I, when I was a kid, there was nobody. I mean, there's a lot of people with asthma. Most people are able to contain, get, get control, their, good control of their asthma. But there's not very many people with asthma like I have it. Or there's not very many people with severe asthma. Chances are that most people don't have anybody in their community that has the same thing. And the only way you're going to get in touch with other asthmatics is to go someplace where there's other asthmatics. When I was a kid, I spent six months at National Jewish Health, and they helped me make, get control of my asthma, but I met a lot of other asthmatics who were just like me. And if I wouldn't have gone there, I never would have met, you know, those other asthmatics. I would just feel like I was just the only one. So that's one of the neat things about these online communities like asthma.net is they bring all of the, all the asthmatics together, not just the severe asthmatics or the mild asthmatics, you know, like we all get a chance to say, oh my gosh, I'm not the only one. I hear that a lot in this community. Holy cow, I thought I was... Like when I wrote about the itchy neck, that's something I experienced a lot of times. That's one of my early warning signs. Like when I'm on dust mites, my neck just itches like crazy. And so I researched that and just wrote about a couple articles on it. People were like, holy cow, I get that too. I thought, you know, I, I was the only one. So that's one of the neat things about communities like this. Well, we're so glad you're a part of our community. And thank you for sharing your story with me. Glad to be part.
To read John's articles and join the conversation, visit asthma.net. You can find additional health communities at health-union.com. Thank you for listening to Living With. I'm Emily Downward.